Hello and welcome to Last Sons of Krypton, a Superman podcast. I'm Connor from the House of L and I'm joined by Tyler, Superman Blue from Krypton Report. How are you, Tyler? I'm good, man. And I just wanted to throw out here first, I just wanted to apologize for uh, having to reschedule. Um, the biggest issue was uh, last time when we were supposed to record, uh, my daughter has a like dairy issue allergy and she had had something and her stomach was upset and she was up with me um throughout the night and then of course with our you know time schedule of 15 hours apart i i slept through all my alarms and i apologized when i woke up to connor i was like man i'm so sorry like um you know she had passed out in my room with me and i was up with her my wife and I, and I just slept in my alarms, and my wife got up first, and she didn't even think about it, you know, and she forgot that I had told her that I had to be up, and I was just like, dude, I'm so sorry, so I just want to apologize all the listeners why this episode is delayed. Oh, uh, it's fine, life happens, I'm sure everyone understands, you know, it just, yeah, it happens, like this is, a, uh, I don't think you've ever, like, missed a recording before, so it's fine, <laughs> you know, I think it's something was up, so, yeah, uh, it's all good, and, uh, I guess more time has passed, so we have more things to talk about. Yeah, we um, do. So, you know, fun fact, our last episode, episode 110, which you were on, was 100 episodes since you first came on this podcast, episode which 10. Which is so crazy. Yeah. It's so crazy. It is. <laughs> but awesome at the same time, so. Yeah, I just kind of noticed as I was editing it. And doing like the the episode number, so. But yeah, I guess. Well, first we have some Superman news. A bunch of Superman stuff. So we're going to be talking about the cartoon, and we're going to be talking about the Superman and Lois finale at the end of the show. Uh, after we talk about Brainiac, and we're doing the, fir- the that's the main piece of this show is the first two issues of Brainiac, uh, which is Action Comics eight sixty six and eight sixty seven, I believe. Uh, it is worth reading, mm-hmm. you know, uh, if you want to avoid spoilers. Um, that said, like, you know, it's... Yeah, so first, I guess, we have casting for Superman and Lois, which is, um, for me, it's not really news for me because it's just, um, well, they'll get a cast them eventually, but I guess the thing is, I am glad that they tried to cast people who looked like the characters because, you know, I didn't know if they would or not. And, um, mm-hmm. so, you know, be, you mean, yeah. Yeah. So you're talking about David Korn. Yes. I, Whatever their names are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So David, I'm just calling him David cause I don't, I hate butchering names. I feel like it's disrespectful until I can find someone to pronounce it correctly. And then Rachel Brosnahan, um, what I find interesting is I had recorded a little tidbit before, I don't know, like a month or so ago, when I found out, like, supposedly he was actually testing, not just fan right. memory, like he was testing. And I said, you know, I feel like with the way that they're going with this project is they want to cast people who are quality, but when you look at them, you say, oh, there's the character. You're not kind of like squint, like, oh, I mm. see it, or, oh, that's a cool idea. Not like a take. You know what I'm saying? But, like, yeah. this pure, like, that, yep, that looks like, yeah. Um, no yeah. doubt in my mind. Yeah. And, uh, David, I had, I tried to, 
when someone gets cast or is like in the top running, I'll try to find something. Apologies. Mm, apologies. Good. Um, and I, I watched Pearl. That's one thing I've watched with him in it so far. He has a lead role, but it's minor lead. You know, there's only like three main leads in that, uh, movie. And I watched Pearl and that had him in it. And I was like, okay, yeah, I can see this. And I know he's got a couple mini series that I'm getting to on Netflix because on the other hand, I watched the pilot for the marvelous Miss Maisel and my wife watched uh, most of it with me. And then we got hooked and it's a five season show and we are in season four about to wrap that up. Um, And I, you know, my wife knows how I'm picky about my character. So when I was like, hey, I'm going to watch this pilot because this lead actress here is, you know, she's testing for Lois Lane and I'm just kind of curious. And uh, we started watching it. And then, um, of course, when she got cast, my wife was like, good. Yeah. And in that show, you can see the range of her character, um, her acting and everything you can see. Oh, I can see where she's going to bring. Cool. Where she can be a good Lois. And, you know, I'm positive about these castings. Um, I'm happy about it because they do look like, you know, Superman and Lois Mm. and who they are. My only, not I don't want to say fear, is like I joke with my wife, you know, when they cast Jesse Eisenberg as Lex. And she was like, huh? I was like, oh, let's watch The Social Network. Mm. I was like, you'll see it. So we watched The Social Network. And then his legs had nothing like the social network in it. Right. So I'm just like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I really don't think we're going to have that issue of like, oh, here's them kind of doing a version where we can see the character. Mm. Um, I can see them, you know, like when Henry Cavill was cast, um, the movie that I saw him was Immortals. Yeah. You know, I'd seen the little bitsy pieces, but sometimes they're really hard to judge a skill. Um, but Immortals, I was like, oh, okay, I can see this now. Yeah. I can see why and where this guy's coming from. So, Yeah, I mean, I, the, the, with Superman, they generally cast people who haven't been in many big things, I've noticed. Uh, so, you know, I guess I'll just, I'll just wait and I'll watch when it comes out. Um, I'm, like, more concerned about everything else surrounding it, to be honest, like the james gunn basically but uh you know we'll see what happens and uh yeah so there was that and there's just there's been a lot of superman talk lately from a lot of people you know because new movies coming out cartoons are coming out and stuff and you know some of it's good some of it's like mm, you know we just we just trying to fight about everything Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> um, I mean, so like, I've noticed a lot of people saying, you know, Superman should be like this, Superman should be like X, should be mm-hmm. like Y. It's like, well, well I'm just going to shut it down and say, the Superman stories they can be anything as long as the writing is good. It really doesn't matter. Uh, everyone, like including me, has preferences for Superman stories, but really all that matters is that you have the core of the character there. And the core is kept true. You know, some of the best Superman stories are out of the box or not traditional. And that goes for mm-hmm. storytelling in general. Like, I don't I don't think there should be a specific formula that a Superman story should follow. That's just boring. And, like, if you're... That's just boring in terms of writing in general. So, um, 
and I, I doubt this this movie's going to do anything crazy, but I just kept seeing that, and I'm like, well, no, there's no rules. Just keep the core of the character, and you can do whatever you want. So, I feel like the movie's going to try to do something traditional. Yeah. In the sense of just like, where you feel like this is Superman. It's not like a take, you know. And I use that expression kind of like lightly, like like Man of Steel is a take. It's a version. Mm. It's you know an interpretation. Um, Superman Returns is kind of like that in a way. Um, and I feel like this Superman legacy is going to be very playing it safe in a way, but playing it in the sense of like, it's going to be Superman mm. unapologetically. Like, you know, it's the character and like, it's going to, I feel, and this is just me right now. Like, I, I mean, give it once we see some imaging and see some stuff coming out and it really gets going and filming, I could be all wrong, but I feel like it's going to be that Superman's, you know, with comic book movies, a lot of times it's very hard to do a version where we can hold it up and be like, okay, that's the truest form of the character. Cause when we do film versions, that's what we want. We don't want like an else worlds or all this kind of an alternate. We want the truest form of the character. Um, and I got a feeling that that's kind of what they're shooting for with this because they need that. Mm. Um, yeah. So. I, I, I don't know. I doubt they'll succeed with that because yeah. it's, it's difficult to do. I mean, yeah, a lot of people just want to lead heavily towards one particular iteration or another, and like no, no live action Superman we've gotten is anywhere close to like the better comics, really. So, but anyway, as I said, I might I'll just watch it when it comes out. So, yeah, um, and yeah. Oh wait, I forgot we were doing. I forgot to say we are also doing Action Comics Annual Ten, uh, the sort of last sun. Yeah, closing that up. Yeah, so I'll get that up now. Uh, oh yeah, so My Adventures of the Superman, the first two episodes are out. Unless you're in Australia, then you're out of luck. But, you know, I just sailed the high seas and acquired a copy because <laughs> it's the only <laughs> way I could watch it. So, but, um, it's, it's. It's yeah. it's weird, and I say it's wrong that it's not available. Yeah, it's it's like we, uh, as I mentioned earlier in our chat, um, you know, when all those superhero cartoons in the nineties were coming out, they would air on TV here, like they would be on. So it's just, do they really are they really just not able to put something here? Like, because we have binge, which get usually gets the HBO Max shows, and um, but that, for whatever reason, that's not getting. My Adventure with Superman, and it's just nowhere to watch, so... Uh, but anyway, uh, you know, fix that, uh, HBO. But, um, you know, I enjoyed it. It was, you know, just sort of cutesy, light entertainment. Um, yeah, I, I thought it was fine. I thought yeah, it feels a bit more... And it was just nice to see, like, a proper Superman cartoon and you know uh i don't have much to say about it really i i enjoyed it um it was refreshing that it came from this place of young superman Mm -hmm. i guess you could say um it was i hate like i I said i hate using the front it's it is a take because it is um clark early it is you know, Jimmy Olsen, it is 
all of our favorite characters, but they're in a place in their life where they're starting out. And it just felt like the type of cartoon that mm. we need to introduce new readers. Yeah. Um, or new, you know, watchers. That's what, you know what I mean. Um, to the character, because we have, we don't have that as much. We don't have these entry points that are accessible. And I said before, like, it's great because I finally feel like they're decided to do something where they're actually thinking about creating the next generation mm. instead of just being for us. Like, there's been so much uh, pandering to yeah. the adult audience of these characters that they don't build anything up that children are going to grow up to be character fans of these characters. Yeah. It's going to be, you know, I try to get my children to enjoy this fandom with me. And it's very hard because there's nothing that I can really point to. I mean, what, what do we have for kids other than like teen Titans go every other kids show that comes gets canceled. You know, justice league action lasted one season and was a really good show. Hmm. But it's forgotten, and that was what we had for kids, you know. And yeah. you don't have that anymore. Yeah, we really so, like, you know. You're right, especially for younger kids. You know the the Zack the Zack Snyder movies are definitely aimed at an older audience. Um, the you know Superman and Lois kids just get bored watching that. <laughs> you know, that's definitely yeah. for an older audience or like teenagers, I suppose. Um, There's, you know, Superman Lois, the first season we watched as a family. We enjoyed it. This season we didn't because all the cancer story was really, you know, heavy. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't, you know, my kids would not be interested. They've watched certain parts of the season with me. Um, but they just be bored. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, I explained that to them. They, they watched some season two with me. But, you know, something where it's like this is for the, the kids that I can enjoy too, much like my dad. Yeah watched Batman the Animated Series with me and my brother. Mm. He enjoyed it. Um, yeah. So I feel like with, with my adventure, it's in that vein. Like, I'm not a huge anime person. Um, I don't really like anime. And this is, like, as close to anime as I like to get. Yeah. Um, so I'm okay with it. Yeah. But, I, I think... Yeah. My kids enjoyed it. Like, we turned it on. We watched it as a family. They were smiling. They were laughing. They were excited. When the first episode was over, they were ready to watch the second one. That's good. And I told them, you know, they enjoyed it so much that we're going to make it kind of our uh, Friday tradition Mm. that we'll watch it. We'll make sure that I said I won't watch it without you know, all four of us sitting down to watch it together because we just enjoyed it as a family. And that's what a Superman cartoon, a Superman show should be. Yeah. Um, honestly, I think it's a character that a parent should be able to let their kids enjoy without worry. I think, um, I think it's weird. I I think it's weird that there's just hasn't really been content for kids with Superman. And, like, just not just Superman, but, like, for a fair few... I mean, I guess there's, like, the Lego Batman movies and stuff, but... 
I mean, yeah, there was Lego Batman, but even that, there's like a tongue-in-cheek satiricalness yeah. to it. Um, you know, I, I joked with a friend of mine that Teen Titans Go is like the Simpsons of the DC Universe. It'll go right. on forever. I mean, it, it literally could go on forever. There's no, like, way or reason it should stop other than they just decide not to make it. Yeah. But even then, like, that's kids. Like, it has its charm at times, but sometimes it's just stupid. Yeah. Like, low level. Yeah. Um, it's very hit and miss. So it's one of those cartoons, like, we'll watch. We'll turn it on in the background. Um, but, let's, you know, let's take about, let's think about this in the past 10 years. We'll just look at the past 10 years. Hmm. Um, because Teen Titans go turn ten this year. Okay. We had Beware the Batman, which yeah. was really serious. Had none of the major villains that anyone really knew. I mean, there was a you know Killer Croc was in it, which of course my son loved, but didn't have your your top tier Batman villains. That show just kind of disappeared. I don't even remember a toy line for it. Um, because I really talked about how Cartoon Network mishandles. DC properties, but that's another story. Um, and then you had basically Justice League action and superhero girls. They did a superhero girls version that was like these two minute episodes on YouTube with three movies, like three home video movies. Yeah. And then they did the Batman Unlimited, which was the same thing, where it was like these little YouTube videos and then three direct to video movies. With, a to- with massive toy lines. And then they did the DC Superhero Girls TV show mm. for, I think, two seasons. Season one was put on Netflix. They never put season two on Netflix. I bought season two to watch with my daughter because she enjoyed it. But they didn't really feel like they got behind it. And it just kind of was like disappeared. And then Justice League Action came in t- 2016 good show had all the characters you know fun show you know it was serious enough but it was like the the 10 10 minute episodes did one season of that and literally the merch the toys came and went so fast Mm. like they were on the shelves and we got a few of the 12 inch figures we have uh plastic man superman lex Luthor, wonder woman i think batman yeah but then they were gone. They like just discounted out, and it was like they dumped the show. I think and toys in general are a bit um, going out of fashion, like uh, in a, superior in toys. In a way, in a way, toys struggle because they put everything on games. You know, mm. like app games yeah. and stuff like that. Kids are really into, so you, you don't get the toy sales like you used to, and you know, as we know, toy sales were always a big part of what made kids' shows and cartoons profitable. You know, you'd come out with a toy line and you'd have the show basically to advertise a toy line. Yeah. And it doesn't quite work as well like that as it used to. Yeah. So it's weird because, it's you know, it's definitely a change. And that's why a lot of cartoons don't last. Or if they do, it's because they're really cheap to produce. Yeah. So I don't I don't know because I go back to with this cartoon I think one thing that's going to be its saving grace is that it is the on Max as well, right? Like I I know they originally did that Batwheels show, and 
it's you know for like preschoolers and stuff and it came out like what a year ago yeah or something like that like about a year ago i think and me and the kids watched the first episode and they thought it was charming enough you know my daughter who's still just now out of that preschool error type age she's six and preschool is usually like five and under but it wasn't something that really captivated her either you know yeah because she's like, why do I care about the Batmobile? <laughs> like, yeah. Um, yeah. It's so <laughs> I'm like, I hope that there are, you know, kids out there who do enjoy that. And that's their entry point. Awesome. Um, I was hesitant when they announced this cartoon for Superman was going to be on Cartoon Network's Adult Swim, which made no sense. Then they dump it like basically at midnight. Yeah, that, that was really weird. Um. But like I said, I think the saving grace for this is going to be that it's on Max. Yeah. And it's available to watch there for families. Because so I kept I, I kept asking that and no one gave me a good answer. It's like it clearly looks like it's a kid's show or a kid-friendly show and they're dumping on an adult swim at midnight when kids are supposed to be asleep. So Yeah. And that, that was my thing is I'm like, you know, I had read that, oh, you know, I had read a thing that it was supposed to be for families and... I'm like, okay, then why is it on Adult Swim? <laughs> you yeah. know, like, why is it on at midnight? Yeah. Yeah, well, we'll hope, hope the show does well, you know, and hope the show is good. Uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm not I'm not big on the art style, but, like, I can look past it as long as the animation itself is good and it doesn't look super cheap like the a lot of the DC animated movies. Yeah. Uh, mm. And it's like, although, like, out of all the characters there, like, Superman and the Kent's the only one who actually resemble their comic counterparts, which bugs me a little bit, but not enough. So I guess I'm kind of a hypocrite, because I'm someone who really believes that, you know, if you're adapting, like, fictional characters or, you know, mythology or whatever, they should look like uh, what they're supposed to. But I guess if it's who I consider important, which is Superman, then I guess I'll hand wave Jimmy. Like, I just don't have the effort... The angry about it, like it's you know, I'm just like whatever, as long as they get Lois, Superman right. Lois, I'm like her hair's short, but she still feels like Lois. Yeah, I um, kind of like her design, actually. Um, you know, it's yeah, I'm fine with Jimmy. Jimmy's I'm fine with. Like, he looks, he looks kind of like <clears throat> more of that where they're trying to make him a little bit more modern, like in the current Superman comics, the Josh Williamson comics. Um, so I'm okay with Jimmy. Perry seemed good. Perry, I think, is a tricky character to get right, but it felt like Perry. Yeah. Um, the Kents kind of feel like the Kents. I'm kind of like they didn't like hit home that strong. The ones that really threw me were Livewire and Deathstroke. Yeah, it was uh, like uh... a very young Deathstroke. Um. And Livewire definitely did not see that coming. Well, Livewire is just completely different. Like, yeah. uh, you know, different backstory, different appearance. Uh, the only similarity is, like, the powers, but... So, I guess we'll see where that goes. And her hair looks like a hat. <laughs> so I was like, it threw me off every time. And yeah, Deathstroke was different, but I guess I knew it was him because the subtitle said Slade. So I got yes. that give it see? away <laughs> Uh, my good friend, my best friend Brian, he is like pretty much deaf. Like he has a certain right. type of deafness. So anytime he's over, and even when he's not, like I've just adapted to, it. like I got the subtitles on, 
part of that's because sometimes the kids make noise and it's just easier to kind of catch your eye. Yeah. And yeah, it said Slade when he was talking. I was like, ah, uh, okay. <laughs> I was like, all right, so that's who this is. Okay. Yeah. I guess part of the other complaint was that it seemed to be a bit rushed. Like they went through a lot of material very quickly. I'm but, hoping that we. Uh, I'm going to give episode, it just. So. Yeah. Um, Pilots you got to only see rough. the. You saw the first two, you know, I, what's so interesting is we just watched that on Friday. We are recording this technically on my Sunday morning. Yeah. Um, so we watched that Friday here in the States and then yesterday being Saturday, my kids, um, <laughs> they're upstairs watching something and they're like, they came downstairs to eat dinner and it's like, dad, can we finish watching our show? And I said, sure, that's fine. Cause I was busy. You know, we weren't. All sitting down was kind of like a dinner on your own type thing. And they rewatched Superman the Animated Series, the first three episodes. They picked it on their own oh, yeah. and just wanted to check it out. Cool. So it was kind of funny because I'm like, I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Uh, uh, it was just exciting because I'm like, they did it on their own. They were enjoying it. They were really digging it. And uh, so just so rewatching that with them for juxtaposition of this new yeah solo superman series which is the first solo superman series we've had since then well <laughs> uh you know what i'm saying like i mean i guess i, I guess I, it's not crazy in the general scheme of things but it's crazy when you compare it to like batman who just keeps getting series yeah. um so you know i was like you know they could have probably done one maybe one more episode to kind of intro this story character um but we'll see. We'll see how the next episode goes. But yeah. I, yeah, I enjoy it. I'm behind it. If my kids, if the kids like it and it feels like Superman to me, I'm fine because they they need something, you know. Yeah. I dig Jarrell as well. I like the eye patch look. So I thought it was different, and I, I'm I'll roll with it. You know what I'm saying? I'm not too. I don't feel like it's too far out of. Yeah. You know, left field because the uh, where the comics went were the one time where Jarrell showed up. And I have my theories, but we'll, yeah. I'll, I'll wait and get into that more in depth as the series yeah. progresses. There's a lot of like pretty cool references as well. Like they weren't, you know, I'm not not making a habit of ragging on Superman and Lois, but they weren't. They were like deeper cuts than Superman and Lois in terms of references. You know, like they had the Newsboy Legion and stuff, or the News Kid Legion. They are now, mm-hmm. um, and some other cool Easter eggs. So, yeah. But, uh, anyway, should we get to this Superman Action Comics Annual 10? Yeah, I have it pulled up on my computer here. Great. So this is... I'm not going to do our flying away to wherever, because um, I'm just not I'm just not this week. We're flying to all sorts of places, so, you know, we already started flying before this started. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Action Comics Annual 10, 2007, 48-page giant. doesn't actually take that long to read, because it's not very dense. Yeah, so it's not... We, have a bunch of so this is written by Jeff Johns with various artwork. So, you know, I'll just read out the contents. The first story is The Mini Death of Superman, which is illustrated by Art Adams, colored by Alex Sinclair. Uh, these are all lettered by Travis Lanham. Then we have Who Was Clark Kent's Big Brother, illustrated by Eric Wright, colored by Lee Luffridge. Mystery Under the Blue Sun, illustrated by Joe Kubert, colored by Joe Kubert with Pete Carlson. The Criminals of Krypton, illustrated by Rags Morales. And Mark Farmer, coloured by Edgar Delgado. Uh, the Deadliest Swarms of Kryptonite, illustrated by Gary Frank and Jonathan Sibal, coloured by Brad Anderson, lettered by Phil Baseman. 
uh, special features, the secret of the fortress of, fortress of solitude, illustrated by Phil. Uh, see, you mentioned butchering names. I do that all the time on this podcast, but I apologize afterwards. Phil Jimenez uh, and Andy Lanning, colored by Jeremy and Cox. And Superman's 10 Most Wanted, illustrated by Tony Daniel, colored by Brad Anderson, illustrated by, lettered by Phil Baseman. And you can get this in, you can get it on its own, or it is in the Last Sun Deluxe edition that came out recently, which collects Last Sun, this issue, and Bizarro World. Escape from Bizarro World, I should say. It's just so interesting, because that's, like, it sounds like a really good, uh... You know, just line up like a of a collection, like oh, that makes mm. sense. Compared to you know where in our trade or my trade, I'm like last son, and I didn't even realize that I had the Brainiac in the back that's yeah. not even advertised. Um, yeah, it's weird. But we start off with the mini death of Superman, which is Lex Luthor basically fantasizing about all the ways he can kill Superman. So we have you know death by magic. Uh, he points out. Superman has no special resistances against magic. Not that he's extra vulnerable to it. Writers get that wrong. I hate it. He's just, he's as vulnerable as you and me would be to magic. Not, it's not like kryptonite. Yeah, it's not extraly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, death by brutal force. And when he actually got killed by Doomsday, it has like a bunch of his, uh, there's a bunch of villains, a bunch of his villains in like every, so death by magic, we have Mr. McSpitlick and Silver Banshee. Which are both Superman villains, and then Solomon Grundy and Black Adam, which he kind of shares with other superheroes. Um, and then Brute Force, we have Kalabak, Darkseid's son, I believe. Then Darkseid, Bizarro, Mongol, and Doomsday. And uh, Lex's favorite, uh, Death by Kryptonite. We have Kryptonite Man, Metallo, and Titano, the big ape. And that's Lex's favorite because, you know, it has meaning because mm-hmm. the planet that gave birth to him will kill him. You know, he likes that irony. So, you know, it was like a neat little story. And like, I like how Lex is like, you know, I can solve all the world's problems. I just got to kill Superman first. <laughs> so very egotistical. And I've always yeah. loved when it's like, then why didn't you, you know, they get that banter of, you could have done all this, but you didn't. Yeah. You you said it was because of me, but really it's because of you. Like. Yeah. And um, you know, it's just it's quintessential Lex. Uh, and yeah, it was a neat neat opening. And then we have who is Clark Kent's big brother, which is kind of a brief retelling of the Silver Age Monel story. I like this because I like what you like. You know, this story, um, like you said, it's not very dense at all. Like mm. it's it's very much told in the pictures. Yeah, there is dialogue, yes, but it's not super heavy. And yeah, it's a really nice story. It just gives you kind of retells it. There's, you know, no Superboy, but there's Clark Kent, and but they still have elements like mm-hmm. his, his lab in the basement was like lab underground, and you know he's quite active still even though he doesn't have a costume which fits in exactly for the time of like the whole smallville error yeah yeah without being like this is smallville's version like they try to do sometimes with the comics where they try to make it the show yeah no it's just enough where like he's like he said he's not running around super boying in the costume he's just clark in his 
quarters. Yeah. You know, they're doing lots of, you know, saving submarines, car crashes, and, you know, crazy carnival rides gone out of control, breathing fire. One of my favorite parts was Friday was the best because I finally got to play baseball and nobody got hurt. I really liked that. Because, you know, Clark can never play sports because he'll hurt the other kids, but with Monel, you know, he's able to play because they're both, you know, yep. have superpowers. So. And we finally learn where, why he's named Monel. Yeah. It's after compared... the calendar Monday. Yep. It makes more sense if you read it. <laughs> but yeah, we get we get the sort of Monel like because he's suffering from memory lapse, and he's like, I want to make sure I'm Kryptonian, so bust out the Kryptonite, see if it affects me. And unfortunately, the lead affects him like Kryptonite does, except it's fatal. Like even a little bit of exposure is fatal, so he has to get put in the Phantom Zone to save him. And we get the the flashback. He's from Daxam. He was a scholar who wanted to see where the rocket from Krypton went, and he found Earth. Yeah, yeah. I I feel like you know the the Daxamites with lead. It's like especially in this story, it's so much more extreme. Mm. You know, it is fatal, but it's like it's like an element that they absorb or they're around because. Once he gets exposed, like it's not like when you know you just get kryptonite away from Superman, he's fine. Yeah, you can't do that like, here. And it's just continuing, and it it's heartbreaking because you really feel like this is the first time that Clark's felt not alone, has a friend, you know, made him feel like his brother, brought him into the family. And yeah, in the Phantom Zone. Yeah, that's a sad story, and um. You know, all these all these sort of stories are like material for Last Sun or was used in Last Sun, so... Yeah, it's just really nice kind of background thickening up. You know, we had talked about that when we, when we started Last Sun. Like, man, you know, yeah. it's just kind of a... Yeah, where this would have been <laughs> Yeah, this would have been what been awesome to re- read first. And it's weird that it wasn't in the trade. Because I felt like... I couldn't put my finger on it when we did it last time. I was like, I feel like there was something that helped me with this story before when I read it. And you're like, oh, yeah, there's that annual. I'm flipping through my trade and it's not there. Yeah. Yeah. I want to... Was this before or after last time? I'm going to find out. Uh, Last time. Let's see. What issues? Yeah, yeah, I don't care about the synopsis. I've already read it. It's 844. Uh, oh, so there must be another arc in between Escape from Bizarro World and Brainiac. Probably the Legion of Superheroes arc, maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Uh, let's. So this was out. Okay, so this this came out like during the middle or towards the end of Last Sun. Hmm. That guess that would make sense. Yeah. Maybe like. Right before he goes in the Phantom... Like, when he gets in the Phantom Zone, then, like, you read this, then you go back to it. There was, um... I'll be able to find out, actually, last time. Part 2 was January 2007. Part 3, February 2007. Uh, so this was... 
Oh yeah, then they had a break. A uh, big break. Because <laughs> I think the last issue was delayed, so... Last time part four was August. So January to August, it took for the last issue Jeez. to come out. That's a long wait. And the the annual came out in March. So, yeah, it's crazy. But, uh... I just don't... Yeah. I just, I, you know, I can't ever figure that out. Like, when they start printing something like this, where... I mean, the issue is double size, but still. <laughs> like... Reading it that as it came out would have been frustrating because you'd be reading like two arcs in between. It's so. kind of like, you know, um, James and I started reviewing and talking about the Superman Lost that's been coming out. Yeah. And I told him, I said, you know what, I'm just going to pause. Yeah. And we'll go back to this when it's done because I feel like to really get the psychology of that book, of what he's go- dealing with, the whole taking a month in between and getting little chunks of this story. Mm is not really servicing it well. Yeah. I'm like, I think, you know, and I, sometimes with stories like that, if you want to have this resonance, having months off and then having to try to put, like, you, if you don't go back and reread the issues before, you kind of lose part of the oomph, you know, that emotional impact that you're going for because your climax is, up oh, here it is, four months after the last book. Yeah, it's at a point where they should just be releasing them as graphic novels if they're going to tell these stories like this, because they're not standalone stories anymore. I have to wait a month in between each issue, and, you know, the the issues, to be quite honest, are rarely good enough to warrant going back and rereading. So it's, it's just a waste it of is. time, and it's expensive to get these single issues as well, so I'm getting a bit frustrated with the whole thing. You know, that was one of the big things with the new 52 is they wrote the stories for the trades yeah it was very easy to keep up with the trades and the you know there wasn't as many of these like collections like this where they're like this story is a collection of these mm-hmm. it was the you know bat uh superman volume one or you know what i'm saying volume two of the trade yeah uh, it was very they really that was one thing i really liked about it because catching up and trying to find stuff out. There wasn't so much of the random trades, much like the one that I have here. Yeah. Um, of, of issues together. And I feel like that was just a really good way of reading. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but back to annual 10, we have a bizarro story next. It's basically just a bunch of bizarros attacking Hawkmen, um, from bizarro world in space. And I believe it's like a teaser for Escape from Bizarro World. Feels like it, yeah. And then we have, you know, a little bonus thing, The Secrets of the Fortress of Solitude, which is nice. They, like, bring back a lot of the fortress gimmicks and they just show off some stuff, like the zoo, the weapons, the uh, sun cauldron or atomic cauldron, and it's neat. Yeah, it is. And so they, they like really combine the Silver Age slash Bronze Age fortress with the sort of Donna crystal fortress. So they're both one. And, you know, it's a bit of a clash, to be honest, stylistically. But I'd rather I'd rather the Zoo and stuff be there than not. So, mm-hmm. yeah. It looks like, and I'll be honest, it looks like the Bat Cave's interpretation of the Fortress of Solitude. The what? The Batcave? 
Yeah. Half like, side. you see some... Well, I mean, you see so many of these, like, layouts of the Batcave. Yeah. Of, like, the levels and different... You yeah. know, it looks like it looks like a cave. Like, with the... Mm. This part's high-rise, low-rise, and multi-layered. Um, and that's a lot of times what we've seen when we get these shots of inside the Batcave. Yeah. The Fort... Um, yeah, right, yeah. So that's kind of what it reminds me of. Yeah, it doesn't... Not a structurally thing. make much sense to be honest in nope. my opinion like the it doesn't the old fortresses the other fortresses are a lot more thought out <laughs> in terms of structure like there was this issue roy thomas did the, the secret called secrets of the fortress of solitude and it had like a big layout like this in the middle of the story and it was a lot better you know it made more sense it was funner you know, he gave little anecdotes about things that happened with, like, the, I was like, oh, Supergirl nearly fell in the Atomic Cauldron or something that one time. So, but yeah, uh, and then we have the Criminals of Krypton. So, like, we have the sort of sentencing of non Jorel and, no, not Jorel, non Zod and Ursa. And the very Donna rings, it's very reminiscent of that, but it goes quite differently. And yeah, like this they break like, free at one point and start killing members of the council. This is like the <clears throat> the issue that really does help set up, like we talked about before. It's like how we really hadn't got anything with Zod and these characters in a long time, and this is the issue that really shows who they are, building mm. the tension to that mystery. Um. It would be interesting, like, if I had this in my collection, I would almost want, I would almost want these, like, this annual to be split up in the trade. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. start with maybe this Luther fantasy, then we start the trade. Then we start, like, the first or two issues, and then once you get the Zod reveal in the issue, you have this. Yeah. And you read this little short story. Then you go in the next issue, and then you get Clark in the Phantom Zone. You cut to reading about the Monel story, and then we go back to the main story. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. you're really, you're punctuating these characters like without giving away who's showing up. Yeah, I I really don't like Darrell here. Unlike how they do him. Yeah. He's uh, he's ineffectual and he's basically like, uh, in exchange for me sending them to the Phantom Zone instead of them being executed, I won't tell anyone that Krypton's going to blow up and I'll just keep quiet. And it's, it's like, really? You know, like, just tell them anyway. <laughs> to me, that feels like that's not a Jarrell who cares about his people. Yeah, like, I, I get they wanted to establish, oh, he cared about life just like his son, but... It's like, Not well, really. does he? If, <laughs> if, he, if he, yeah, if he's yeah. just shrugging off his whole race, like, like I uh, guess he thinks there's no hope for Krypton at all. Like they're doing that whole thing where Krypton needs to die, but but I just don't feel like that would be anybody's. Yeah, like if you if you value life, like you know. Not using a football expression, which is not something I ever do, but yeah, sending Clark's rocket. Like he does. That's a Hail Mary. It's a yeah. last ditch hope. You know that we've had comics where Jarrell's like, let's build ships. And they're like, no. Well, let's all go to the Phantom Zone and specially designed stuff to escape this 
No. Yeah. Or we can send rockets with all of us. No. And, you know, everywhere he went, it was basically being met with no, and he tried to find, you know, and I, I kind of like the idea that the rocket for his son was a prototype. Yeah. And he didn't, and Krypton's destruction got sped up, and he did yeah. what he did because he's like, well, it'll work for our son. Like, I was going to make it for, you know, us. You know, he even talks to Lara at times. He's trying to talk her into, like, getting in the rocket with him. Yeah. And everything. So that's the drill that, like, I'm going to do everything I can mm. that I believe is the true character. Yeah. Um, even to the last minute where he knows people are calling him crazy, and but he's like, there's nothing else I can do. I can save my own son. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I kind of sympathize with Zod a bit too much sometimes here because he's like, you know... Even after what they did to Non, you won't do anything. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, so. think, I think Zod's a tough villain to to write because out of all Superman's villains, I think he is the one that has the sympathy angle. I think there's still there's still the way where he is, you know, um, a villain. He is arrogant, but there is still that little hint that you can put in there where he tried to save Krypton and felt yeah. betrayed. And, and that's like, kind he, of what he feels and we'll, justifiably betrayed here. You know? Mm-hmm. Like, you can see why he's so mad. Because, like, Jarrell frustrates the reader, you know, let alone General Zod. Um, and we'll, we'll touch on that eventually in our Brainiac story a little yeah. bit with Zod, which I liked. But I don't know what issue that is, so I'm not mm. saying too much. <laughs> so after the debacle at the sentencing, uh, we have a flashback to when Zod was not, you know, uh, uh, what's what's the name for it, lobotomized. And Non's like the only, he believes Jor-El. Mm-hmm. You know, despite the fact that Jor-El was ordered not to take this, then he only took it to Non. And um, they sort of get arrested by Zod, funnily enough, and Ursa. And that's, I guess, how they find out initially that the council lies to them about why they're arresting them. And stuff. So, you know, and Non starts like a peaceful protest and spreading awareness. And, you know, Zod like believes them. And Non gets abducted in the middle of the night by, you know, the council and lobotomized and stuck uh, in the Scarlet Jungles, which is really messed up. <laughs> Like that's really bad. Yeah, that that shows you how bad the science council was. Yeah, I, mean, I really feel like it'd be interesting. Like we got that short mini series on you know a while back called you know Krypton. Mm. It was something else to it, but but it was good. But I really think you have an ongoing like history building of Krypton mm. and these characters. Because that just shows you where the science council and the culture had gotten with, you know, you can, sometimes I don't like things when they're culturally relevant because they make it too obvious on things, but yeah, you know, it, it's funny. I think like that's the breaking point as well was like Zod openly rebels um, 
when Non is found. And he gets, you know, and Non joins up with him. And Jarrell's like, ah, oh, this isn't the way. You know, and mm-hmm. he's right, it's not the way, but he's not providing any alternative. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, we need the council support. It's like, well, they're not going to support you. So. You're out of luck. Yeah. But, um, and then they get recaptured and sentenced into the Phantom Zone. And, you know, you will bow down before me and your son, both you and one day your son. And, and they get held off into the Phantom Zone. And then we have Superman's top 10 most wanted, which was weird. Because they have three, they have Zod, Ursa, and Non there. Instead mm. of, like, some other Superman villains, which could have been there. Yeah. Like it's Doomsday. Just kind of, uh, this I guess, to me is, like, your your quick reference of your, like, who are Superman's villains? Ah, oh, let me hear you. Here's a top 10. There's no Mongol. There's no Doomsday. Yeah. Doomsday might be dead, to be fair. I don't know at this point, but... Yeah. Mongol for sure. Because you have Lex, Brainiac, General Zod, Ursa, Non, Bizarro, Parasite, Mr. Spence Pitlick, Metallo, Toy Man. And I'm like, Zod, sure. You know, Ursa and Non, like, they don't ever work independent, you know? Yeah, they're like his henchmen. So, then we got, um, like, Dark Side, debatably, uh, and um, Silver Banshee, you know. Silver Banshee would have been a good one. That's a character I'm, I'm more and more finding more fascination with. Um, Silver Banshee would have been great. Uh, Livewire, maybe, just to be something different. Yeah. But Doomsday, I could see where you could put not because he's kind of like a, supposed to be a one and done. Um, and Dark Side, like you said, debatable because sometimes Dark Side works Cyborg better. Just a, Superman. Uh, yeah, a Justice League villain. So yeah, Cyborg Superman would have been good. Um, yeah, it was just it was just odd to have three of the ten be kind of the same villain. <laughs> yeah. So, but you know, um, then we have that. Is that the end? No, the the deadliest yeah, form of Krypton. Yeah. So. Lex and it's interesting because I almost feel like this kid of tie, it tied into the first story of like yeah. his just fantasizing about kryptonite yeah it's all the different kryptonites and it also explains here how he captured Bizarro he used blue kryptonite so it explains why Bizarro is working for Luther and he's you know putting all this different kryptonite into Metallo and that's how we get you know? Yeah, and it says to be continued in Action Comics. Yeah. So, Good Annual, that's a great sort of supplementary reading for Last Sun, and, tr- like, should have been included in Last Sun, even if it's, like, you just squish this between issue two and three. Yeah, because, so, I'm looking at it right now on my DC Universe Online, and when I get to the end, it says, up next in the series... Action Comic 846. So, you know, you are reading this kind of in between the Last Sun arc, you know, between issues, like you just said, two and three. And I think it works. And I think it really helps 
with the story in general. Yeah. Yeah. Agreed. But, you know, it is what it is. I'm glad we read it. Uh, but, yeah, it's, it's a shame, like, I don't have it, have it in the trade. So. You know, I'm, I, I might actually pick up because I, I, I have um, the Brainiac story in its own trade. My son got me last year for Father's Day. Um, and if I can find that last son trade you're talking about, that has the escape from Barzara world and the annual in it, I might pick that up and then just, um, like either give this to my son, which I've done with some of my old trades or just like gift this to a, we have a couple of these like library. They're like, yeah, use book, like kiosk things that people build where Mm. you can just drop off a book for people to walk by and just take a book. And it's, um, I might do that just for someone to help discover Superman, you know. I guess you'll lose Brainiac, though. But I have it on its own. So. Oh, do you? Okay. Yeah. So I did it on its own as well. Yeah. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I would be like, okay, I will gain more than I would lose. Yeah. Yeah. Manchester Black, that's another one. Mm. Yeah. But uh, anyway. So, yeah, it was Annual 10. And that this will bring us to the first two issues of Superman Brainiac. So we have Action Comics 866, which is Brainiac Part 1. The cover we have Superman amongst a bunch of bottled cities and bottled people. Gary Frank's artwork. Can I just say something real quick about Gary Frank's artwork? Uncanny Valley. I, I love it. I love it. I actually really love it. He's one of my favorite artists. Um, but what I find fascinating is we just got the Superman 78 comic. And the art in that is not bad. It's good. Yeah. But there's parts where they're like, oh, we can't make it look like Chris too much for lightness rights. Well, then I look at Gary Frank's art yeah. and I'm like... He wasn't concerned like, about that. I'm like... Why didn't Gary Frank just draw this book? <laughs> you know, because yeah. his, his, in this, but especially if you go to like Secret Origins, um, he draws them so much like Chris and like Margot. Yeah. Then I'm like, why didn't he just do the 78 book? Because I feel like you're already kind of like bordering that line. Because like Super Old doesn't look like Helen Slater, you know? No. Uh, and Jimmy doesn't really look like Mark McClure. <laughs> But Superman and Lois do look like Chris and Margot very strongly. That if you just said, "Hey, that's the that is a animated version of Chris," oh, okay, I'll go with it. You know. Well, I think um, I think it was just before. Like, I think Superman seventy eight was like a C grade project, so they probably didn't want to put like a such a high profile artist. They wanted him and somewhere I mean, else. That, and that makes me wonder why not? The, why? Pardon? To push it because we uh, haven't seen some Gary Frank stuff in a while. We haven't seen Gary Frank in a while. Like, why not make it a A project? You know? Yeah, I don't know. Um, I can understand when they do the books, like they did the Flash movie tie-in comic. I can see that as a C level, D level comic. You know? Yeah. It's not really a f- something huge, but the way they promoted him, those. Mm. And I say those, I mean the Superman seventy-eight and the Batman Bat- eighty-nine books. Why not put more top-tier talent on it? Well, yeah. I mean, as as they turned out, they were both pretty mediocre. Uh, the Superman was basically just a retelling of 
the first Brainiac story, really. Yeah, it was it was Silver a, Age. Yep, just recontextualized to be kind of this pseudo Superman three. And it just it didn't really fit in with the Crystal Reeve setting. I thought the Donna setting. I thought it was too much like just an adaptation of that comic. It felt um, like it started there, and then where it went and ended, I was like, eh. Like, I felt like it started there. Yeah. Like, I was, like, I, was I, the, I think, maybe the first issue or two. I haven't had the desire to go back and reread it. Yeah, I might have forgotten some stuff, because I haven't gone back and reread it either. I got, I got but, a lot of stuff I need to store in my brain, so, <laughs> you know, some stuff just has to get chucked out sometimes. If it doesn't but make this, an impression. But this is one that is a top-tier story for me. Brainiac? Um, you still there? Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. here. Okay, yeah. Uh, so Brainiac is what you're talking about? Top-tier? Yeah, this yeah. Yeah, this one. Because the Gary Frank art, hmm. the, you know, I had to, the quote-unquote twist that we've never actually experienced the real Brainiac yes, till now. I like that. Yeah, so, I mean, this is like Last Sun. I read this probably over 10 years ago. Um, so uh, Tyler's read the whole thing recently. I've only read the first two issues. And, yeah, we start off, grabs you immediately. You start off on Krypton and Brainiac's invading Kandor. And, you know, he's killing people, like, all the Brainiac drones are killing people, and they're reminiscent of, like, the Brainiac redesign mm-hmm. um, in the 80s and pre-crisis. And we have General Zod. And then we have the big skull ship, big Brainiac skull ship, which is really cool. And they're like, you know, this is unnatural. Zod's like, this is unnatural. This is alien. And he looks up at the skull ship and, you know, it's like, well, he's making mincemeat of these Kryptonians. And originally I was like, this doesn't line up with the timeline they established. And they said Jack Sewell was responsible for Candor, but they, the way they say it in the next issue is that Jack Sewell getting Krypton's moon destroyed brought the attention of Brainiac to Krypton. So, yeah. Yeah. But, uh, it's a nice little subtle, like, you know, they're trying to retcon and mm-hmm. this is where we are at this time in comics. I think that's the yeah. hardest part is we hadn't had a major reboot like you know it's kind of easy when you jump on something after like a big reboot type crisis event and we really hadn't had that um so we're just yeah it was a nice little line of connecting the dots of like jack soar and then brainiac and what happened to candor and it's such a cool the artwork is so great in this opening sequence and like I, i i rag on gary frank a bit mostly because like you said Tyler, I really don't like how he just tries to draw Superman Lois like Margot and Chris. I think it's weird and looks odd. And the way he draws children sometimes is very strange, and he's got some weird facial expressions. But, uh, you know, his artwork is really good sometimes, and this is one of those cases. And, um, mm-hmm. yeah, the Brainiac drones are awesome. You know, what I remember about Brainiac is it's a really cool, just action-packed story, and... That we, we sort of see how Brainiac takes a city. So it's, you know, it's a bit more elaborate than the shrinking ray of the Silver Age. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, he does like an invasion. He gets a force field up with his drones and then he's able to take the city. And Zod is, you know, swearing that he'll help 
the citizens that got abducted. And then, you know, the skull ship takes the city. And it's a really it, cool opening. It is a cool opening. It's also a really great introduction to Zod to mm. see him as the general and the hero of Krypton. Yes, pre In the sense of, villain. like, yeah, like, the hero, like, in this is... He's he failed in a way like he yeah. he failed to really protect and lead the and save the people of Krypton. Yeah. So now he has an axe to grind. Yeah, and it, it makes it makes us like Zod because he's like yeah he right here like he's defending his people he's protecting them he he needs to avenge them before we get to yeah you know his villainous turn. Yeah, and we we cut to the Daily Planet meeting, and. So we're joined, uh, apparently the first appearance of Steve Lombard. Not first appearance, but like, this, Reintroduction. he seems to be joining the planet. I'm like, huh, did they not use Steve Lombard since pre-crisis? I, see, one of my goals soon is to kind of go back and start to stitch together, like, reading the early 2000s comics up to the New 52, starting yeah. with like around, you know, 2000. To kind of see, like, where, like I said, contextualize where some of this takes place, because it does feel, like, odd that, like, what happened, what didn't happen, where are yeah. we in this story? Well, I, I could have found out about Steve Lombard, but I forgot to check my encyclopedia. But I'm going to assume that Steve Lombard hasn't been in post-crisis up until this point. And, you know, we're joined by uh, Ron Troop. Troop, I think is how you pronounce it. Clark, Lois, Perry, Jimmy comes in with a coffee, and we have Cat Grant who we haven't seen since the 90s after her son died. I know that she this is her comeback after a big, big leave of absence. And, you know, they point out she's gotten a boob job and she's become very uh, superficial. And she was already, and, like, a little bit like that, but this is to the extreme. And I, the only thing I feel like that's missing from this story, and it's not spoilery or anything, hmm. is there is a line here... Um, and we'll we'll kind of go more, but about talking about Cat is where Clark says, um, Cat left the planet after her son died. Everything she's wearing right now, everything she's yeah. pretending to be, is a cover up. I kind of would have liked somewhere in this story of like her cracking under the pressure, where she kind of does break down, and we right. see that that this is what that is. Yeah, you know, like she's she's putting on, she got her boob job she got you know the persona that she's is something to protect herself from the pain that she's yeah. feeling because of her son yeah which was over 10 years ago in real time who knows how it was in comic time <laughs> you know less. The... but yeah um so uh, we set up steve as a bully pretty quickly uh, no one seems to like him <laughs> and yeah you know Clark burns his chair and he falls over um, which I think a lot of people would really take issue with uh, given how they react to some things in live action Superman oh I know uh, I'm I'm like I thought it was hilarious like he didn't hurt him yeah like it's it's a I yeah, I mean, clearly it's it's a comic book. I'm not I'm not supposed to look too deep into this particular sequence. It's just supposed to be for laughs, you know. So, I mean, it, it's also think about it. Clark can take it when people insult him, 
But Lumbar was insulting Lois. Yeah. So Clark did something. You know, it's like, you can make fun of me all you want. Mm. It's fine. But don't mess with my wife. Yeah. So, I mean, that's I think that's the underlining that you got to hit on. Mm. Is, you know, Lumbar, don't run your mouth about Lois. Even though it's indirectly. Like, you don't, you know... Lombard doesn't know that what happened, but Clark is like, you 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 say something about Lois, something's gonna happen. He's got to have some restraint though. We don't want it turning into injustice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's not throwing him off the building and like yeah. left. Like he went out for coffee. Yeah, he's not coming back. Uh, but the next page is one of the funniest. I think is the Cat Grant being overly you know sexualized trying they, to show off her boob to, job they used to date sort of i remember um briefly anyway clark and cat you know before lois and clark were a thing but yeah it was, so it was like kind of interesting because that's because where cat grant leaves the comics or i'm very very close to her leaving the comics if she hasn't left already i think she's left already and then now i'm kind of reading this and it's just sort of funny seeing a follow-up. This reminds me very strongly of, like, Cat Grant in season one of Lois and Clark, where she was that tabloid reporter who was very I forgot she was in Lois and Clark. (laughs) She's only in the first season. Yeah, they they got rid of a few characters, I think. Um, And um, I just feel like she's an important member of the Daily Planet staff. I think it's interesting when, you know, Clark kind of not really dates her, dates her, but like gets introduced to her and she's, you know, nice to Clark when he first shows up at the planet. And, you know, mm. he tries to just befriend her and everyone thinks he's actually trying to date her. And it's this kind of misunderstanding, right? you know, it's fun hijinks for like a TV series. Um, yeah. But yeah, the thing where she's like basically talking about surgery helped her and she's trying to push her boobs for <laughs> attention. And Clark just keeps the eye contact with her. <laughs> is, yeah. Is awesome. Yeah. And where am I? Yeah. So, you know, we're, we're sort of establishing things around the office. It almost feels like the start of a new run, but I don't yeah, think it's does. the case. And that's what I'm saying. Like, I want to go back and kind of recontextualize yeah. everything because it does feel very fresh with all right, here's the status quo of where Daily Planet staff is. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, Lois and Clark are talking and we hear a missile crashing, uh, or a comet crashing, sorry, through a satellite and Superman goes to intercept it above Metropolis and a Brainiac drone comes out, but Superman says, you know, Brainiac, he thinks it's actually Brainiac, I think. And we see the, so these drones were using these sort of uh, I don't even know what to call it, like these prods and they go through people's skulls and he tries to do it to Superman and it breaks, but you can see like a lump on Superman's forehead and he goes, ow. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you can, the, the action, the way action and force is done is really well and it keeps trying to get him and they sort of start fighting in the, uh, they, they land, they start fighting in the wilderness and he sees a force field. Clark's like, I can break through force fields. 
and then the drone just stops. And I like how Clark stops the punch when it turns off. And uh, it just falls over, and that's where the... Oh yeah, and then we see near Jupiter a Brainiac, Brainiac skull ship with like a bunch of ice formed on it turns on for the first mm. time. And, you know, we go into the chamber with all the bottled cities and we see Brainiac wake up, Kryptonian located. You know, att- locate, attempt 242 in progress. So, you know, he draws a bit. And yeah, that's the end of the first issue. It's a good issue. I mean, it's yeah. It ends on that very interesting position of how Brainiac is like part of the ship. Yeah. Yeah, it was it was cool. And then we get to eight sixty seven, which is part two. And you know the cover is Superman, not Clark Kent, fighting a bunch of Brainiac drones, and his Superman costumes coming out. Uh, this never happens in the book, but. Yeah, and I forgot to read out the credits. It's Jeff Johns, Gary Frank, and John Sabal, I think, is doing the colouring. But, um, yeah, we start off where we left off. Brainiac Skullship is travelling through our solar system, and he's trying to locate... Uh, actually, no, he's not in our solar system. He's somewhere mm-hmm. else. But he's trying to locate Superman, or the Kryptonian, but uh, he has found level 3 intelligent life detected on... In the star system Ragan, planet Laru. Sorry for mispronunciation, people of Laru. But uh, yeah, then we cut, and Supergirl is with Superman, and she's going, you know, he's not Brainiac. And we see like a Clark Kent and Superman robot in the background that are half assembled. I like the panel here where he talks about Brainiac. He's telling like his history of Brainiac, and we see the different kind of iterations yes. kind of in shadow. And Kara's like, no, that's not him, Cal. That's like all the others, a probe. Yeah, so we, I remember the Milton Fine is the, who gets like possessed by Brainiac, who turns out, I guess, is a drone, I suppose, that Brainiac that possessed him. And we get like Silver Age Brainiac and the original, original Brainiac without the things on his head, uh, the redesigned Brainiac that I believe Gil Kane did back in 85. And, you know, it's... But there was... Uh, I like Broniac, but man, uh, what was that story? Panic in the Sky? Oh, I thought that mm-hmm. sucked. <laughs> <laughs> I really didn't like it. And it was like, the premise is everything I liked that I read. It, it just not good. But um, yeah, so they're all probes, it turns out. Which is like a retcon I'm cool with, because it makes... Cause Brainiac, you know, he deserves more love than, like, the goatee guy. You know, that was lame. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. You know, oh, no, the real Brainiac is not seen yet. He's, like, a big force behind them all, which is, like, ooh, that's cool. And. Yeah, so Supergirl. Uh, she's from Candor, right? But Brainiac was, like, a boogeyman on Krypton. After that happened, yeah, everyone was terrified of him. Like he would come back and finish. Yeah, it up. I, I like, I like this because it gives Supergirl some more depth. Mm. She has a very PTSD kind yes. of connection to Brainiac, 
it gives her this kind of he's more a villain for her yeah in a way um it gives her an arc it gives her something to do it helps just also drive that relationship that she grew up on krypton harder than cal Mm. so i I like that she's just i like that she's scared and it's bothering her because it shows someone who knows brainiac how much he has to be feared And her best friend was there as well. So, you know, it's interesting. She says, Lex Luthor, you've told me Lex Luthor is everything bad about humanity. Well, Brainiac is everything bad about aliens. You know, so like all the, I guess, alien stereotypes, like evil invaders and stuff like that. Uh, but yeah, so the, 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 so her mother reckons that the city got abducted while, like, people like General Zod thought Brainiac disintegrated them. Which should be, like, hard to tell, you know. Which is nice. Yeah. Which is a nice kind of, like... Because they don't really where know. Where the mind... Yeah, they don't know. They don't know what Brainiac really is. And I like the look on Clark's face where she's like, you know, sometimes I shouldn't have any memories of Krypton. Maybe then I'd be like, yeah, I wouldn't miss it so much. And he looks, you know, stricken, I think. Like, he's... He's bewildered. He's confused. He's like, you know, it's a deep realization, I mm. think, for for him and for her. Like, in the sense, like, you're, you're right. Like, I don't know what it was on Krypton. I didn't. I know it by a factual, textual, educational point of view. But I don't really know yeah. what it's like to be there, to live there, to love it. It's interesting. I took that a different way. I think you're right, though. But I initially took it as... Uh, you know, he felt really bad for her. Um, like I thought, oh, I thought, you know, I, can agree I with thought that I too. missed, I thought like, I missed Krypton and then here she is saying, you know, she doesn't think I miss it and she's obviously in so much more pain than I am. But and um, I, I, I can take that reading too, mm-hmm. you know, like <clears throat> I think they both can be read. Like that's, yeah, I think that's the kind of feelings that you get. Yeah. Mixed feelings in a situation like this. Yeah. Because it's like that, is it better to love and lost than never to love mm. at all type, type conundrum, you know? Yeah. Um, where you can go back and forth and it kind of comes down to the individual person. Mm. I will say to listeners out there, maybe new listeners, there was a point where Superman was a toddler. Um, so he didn't remember as much as Supergirl about Krypton, but he still had some like vague memories. And I kind of... Because people always bring up, uh, like, oh, you know, Supergirl, you know, remembers Krypton. Clark doesn't. I I don't know. I like it if Clark has some sort of, you know, emotional Mm. connection to Krypton, whether it be vague memories or just primal feeling. Like, I think he should miss Krypton. He should be sad about it. You know? That's why I don't like the John Byrne, him being, (laughs) born on Earth. Yeah. I I think, for me, he always has to be born on Krypton. And then sent to Earth because it's also part of the sto- the parents' journey that needs to yeah, be addressed. Definitely. Um, yeah. So, but they've done it pretty well. Grant Morrison did it really well in Action Comics. Um, and you know, like yes. What, and I think there's like a theme there that some people might have forgotten, but a theme of like you know. Knowing your real parents, oh, your real parents died, and the sort of sense of longing for like your culture, and you feel like you don't belong on Earth, and you sort of wonder what 
your culture was like, but it's gone now because the planet blew up. And they did a lot of that sort of stuff in pre-crisis. And I, I really dig that stuff, the whole outsider aspect. Like, not a complete mm-hmm. outsider, obviously, but, you know, the loneliness and, like, wishing he could see Krypton or wishing, you know, it didn't blow up. Uh, like, wanting to know where you come from and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, he goes to the Kents and, you know, Mark Kent is, uh, worried about him going off to find Brainiac. So Superman's like, I reverse engineered it. I can find out where Brainiac comes from. And I do like, you know, usually I'm not a fan of talk, talk, talk with the Kent family, but I do like how Park Kent's like, you know, I'm not going to worry about the decision you make, you know, your greatest power is knowing what the right thing to do is. And I like that. Uh, yeah. Maybe it's Superman and Lois fatigue where Superman never seems to know what to do in that show without someone telling him. <laughs> I think sometimes so, that's the problem with the TV shows. Yeah. Is because it's the same thing that happened with the flash. Right. Is you have these other side characters, and if the hero can just do it all by themselves, it's harder to make the drama of the story. Yeah. It's part of the it's part of the medium, you know, of the TV show of just kind of rebuilding that engine to that all the characters matter and they all have something to do. Yeah. So in a way, you always kind of got to make your hero a little bit more reliant on the people around them. A lot of the time, that's why it dragged down for me. I don't I don't need Superman to be so reliant on his supporting cast. He's Superman. So they gotta be relying on him. Yeah. I like him to work his own stuff out. You know, he's someone to look like someone to look up to, (laughs) Mm -hmm. you know, but, um, anyway, uh, yeah. So we get some flashbacks with Parr and Clark, like melted shoes and, you know, just when he was discovering his powers and stuff, melted shoes when he was running and stuff like that. Then he engraves a, horseshoe it says world's greatest dad and he gives it to pa kent i wonder if something's gonna happen to pa at the end of this story Hmm. (laughs) Hmm. Uh, so you know it's weird that john's killed him then brought him back in doomsday clock like it's such a mess anyway but (laughs) (laughs) like in the context of doomsday clock alone i don't mind him coming back but the fact that it made it into you know main comics is annoying so but we get Lois and Clark again and this is where he's talking to Lois trying to have a conversation and Lombard throws a football at him he's like here we go so I like that line Uh, Lois is like you want everyone to be happy and Clark goes is that wrong she goes no Clark it's just unusual (laughs) which I liked uh, but yeah, Clark's annoyed face as he gets a football to the back of the head is funny. And Olsen carrying all the coffees and he throws the football at Olsen. Oh, jeez, that's, that's the worst. That's, 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 yeah, that, that, that would annoy me. I mean, like, it would all annoy me that, like, spilling four coffees is not, like, a little deal. You know, that's something, if that happened to me, I'd blow my top. You know, if someone made yeah. me spill all my drinks and was a jerk about it, uh, I'd be throwing that coffee in his face, you know? So, but anyway, 
uh, you know, he's like, try to be back before someone he throws Lombard off the roof. He'll need you to catch him. <laughs> so. And Clark goes off in his spaceship. I always think this is interesting when Clark's in his spaceship. Mm. He's got comfy cushions there. So, you know. I guess it makes sense he's in a ship because he's reversed the crystals to find them and he's looking at uh, videos of Zod reporting to the council about Brainiac. Mm-hmm. And he's just researching Brainiac motivations of Brainiac. We have none showing up again, which is all this adds, that annual added more to this because like, we've seen none now as well. So... Yeah, and that's I was gonna say is like I like this because I like that we see you know non before. Yeah, it's just it's just thickening up everything. And he's also looks like he might be about to imply that Brainiac's attack was twofold, and he brings up Jor-El's discovery, and then the council shut him down. <clears throat> and we see, and we see him kind of shaving too. Yeah, so I think it's funny. He's like. Using the mirror reflection thing yeah. to shave. Yeah, I guess it gives us the idea that he's been in space for a while. So, um, and yeah, he arrives on this planet, I think, that Brainiac was attacking. And yeah, these, these aliens sort of fending off the drones. Superman just crushes that one's head and rips it. You know, out. He can be so violent against robots. Of course. <laughs> it's like... Mortal Kombat violence against robots. I like it. And, um, there's yeah, so a fight, fight, good skull ship. Oh no. You know, he goes to fight the skull ship that just, he bounces off it and then gets hit by the tentacle. And he can't get through the force field. And then this is, he sees a rocket go towards the sun and the sun blows up. And takes the planet and Superman out. And as Superman is drifting in the cosmos, the Brainiac ship grabs him and Kryptonian found. Next Superman meets Brainiac. So yeah, it's pretty gnarly. Like I like I like my large scale Superman stuff. I like how mm-hmm. Brainiac's blowing up a sun. I think that's cool. <laughs> that's that, wiping I mean, out that just shows system. Brainiac's like that's a standard operating procedure. Yeah. Like, I come in, I do this, I'm out. Like, yeah, no, oh, it's great, it's awesome. You know, I love it. I love high scale. You know, big powers for Superman, big villains. So, and again, it's like the. I think a lot of people read this story and they're like, "Oh, why aren't we getting Brainiac in like movies and animation and stuff?" You know. And unfortunately, the the animated version of this Superman Unbound, I think it's really bad. I don't know if you liked it, but I didn't like it at all. I like it, but I don't think it. It takes some things in a different direction. Um, I think it could have been better with some things closer to the book. I just don't think it conveys the scope or anything. And I, I agree yeah. with that. Um, I think Brainiac can be the scariest Superman villain done right. Mm. I think about the world that we live in today. How everything's so interconnected. And if you had Brainiac come down and like plug into our system, yeah, and just start shutting down all our computers and erasing, like, yeah. you know, like the movie was not great, but the fourth Die Hard movie, Live Free or Die Hard, mm. 
the scene where the one guy is like looking at John McClane and he's like, oh, your bank account, your pension. And then he just like erases everything yeah. digitally, yeah. you know, like and that's like, oh, like if you had Brainiac show up and just all of a sudden he starts just erasing our history. Yeah. Deleting our information, um, shutting down services that we need. Yeah. It would be a crisis that we would destroy ourselves. And I think he can be utilized very well like that. Yeah. So, yeah, it's interesting because Grant Morrison's, uh, two Grant Morrison's comic store had Brainiac in it. It turns out it was a Brainiac probe, funnily enough. It was like this sort of centipede robot design. And I remember, I'm pretty sure in that Brainiac was the internet. He was like responsible for the internet. Um, or he, he, or he had like infiltrated it and became it, and that's how he got a lot of information. So that was cool. There was also a story in the Bronze Age where Brainiac was able to shut down all of Earth's computers as well, and that was like another big scale story, which I thought was really cool. And I think that was just like one or two issues, but yeah, it's, it's cool when they do stuff like that. But a lot of the time they don't use Brainiac well, um, which is weird. But yeah. But yeah, those are the first two issues of Brainiac. I, I really enjoyed them. I'm looking forward to finishing it off. Uh, you know, we're like right in the middle of the story, so there's not much else for me to add. I like the artwork. Mm-hmm. I like the action. You know, characterizations are good so far. So yeah. 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 Um, shall we move on to the Superman and Lois finale real quick? Sure. Yeah, let's do it. Right, well, um, so I've liked season three. I thought the finale was okay. Uh, I can I can see some people's frustration at Doomsday. Um, I, but, you know, yeah. I'm okay with it. Yeah, I thought it was an organic way of bringing the character um, into the show. Um, it was, you know, kind of a surprise. It also makes it different trick on doomsday of like oh it's it's emanating from bizarro so yeah what does that mean kind of looks like solomon grundy though don't you think yes yeah i'm not a fan of the face um the body size i'm fine with but it's the face that was kind of like i want that you know out of all the doomsdays in live action that we've had i think smallville had the best face yeah with the red eyes and everything and um, I, I want that. Um, yeah. you know, I always thought the bone kind of over the eye was always creepy. Mm. And I wish we kind of get back to that because a lot of times like, you know, more recently in live action, Doomsday has become kind of a mm, tweaked, perverted Kryptonian compared yeah. to when he first was created he was like more of a kryptonian uh, invention mm. you know when you do the whole when you do his story about how it was an infant that was you know more murdered than cloned then you know they kept tweaking its dna and it came from krypton it wasn't exactly per se a kryptonian if i remember correctly like it was just it kept being genetically yeah, um, you know, 
uh, cloned and killed, cloned and killed, and tortured, was, basically. Yeah, it was like a much more elaborate and sort of better version than what we got in the show. Like, the show kind in, of was like a rush version of that. And, you know, in this, I, I said this is like, this Doomsday, kind of like Smallville's Doomsday in a way, um, are more deadly because usually the way the process worked is there would be Doomsday... And then when Doomsday would die, they would take the corpse, clone it, and make it, you know, mightier. And then it couldn't die that way again. Yeah. But what we're seeing is it's being killed, but then healing from that and uh, coming back instantaneously. Yeah. So it's like, how do I kill it if there's never that moment of it dies and then it's cloned? Like, it's just dying and then bringing itself back to life. Yeah. I have a theory how they'll get rid of it. I just... I Honestly, I don't want Superman to die again. I don't think I can just... I'm kind of over, like... It's just going to be too much melodrama for me. I don't want to see them all crying and moping. Oh, your dad's gone. Yeah. Blah, blah. I, was like, oh, no, I don't care enough at this point. Like, I'm... You know, I want... It's... Yeah. The... Mm. It's just I feel like, and I'm you know again I've enjoyed season three, but does it does it feel like to you sometimes that they have quite a surface level knowledge of Superman? Like this, I get what you're saying. Uh, I yeah. feel like the theme the theme the theme for season three was facing death, yeah. and the whole series. If you think about it, it, starts with Lois finding out about the cancer. And it's about her facing death and how Clark would deal with losing Lois and how the kids would deal with losing their mom. And then right as that's okay, the idea of Clark facing death. Mm. And now it's kind of flipped on them all. And the idea that Clark even would be at a point where he would be really facing death um, like this. So it definitely carries the weight of the theme of the season. Um but the, and, you know, we never really, like, that never really paid off well, that Lois thing, because we never really found out how they would have to deal with it. Like, it it looked like they wouldn't deal with it at all. Like, they'd deal with it really badly. Um, but we never got to a point where they might have to think about it. She's generally pretty fine. You know, you know like, I, nothing went wrong in the surgery, uh, except for, like, that power out. But, yeah. I asked my wife at one point, like, if this had been the last season, if they would have killed Lois off and bookended the series, like, the series opened with the death of Martha, and then would close with, like, the death of Lois, and then how you have Clark raising his boys on his own. Mm. You know what I'm saying? But Yeah, no, I would I would be down for that. Or, like... Cause it's been about exploring different angles, yeah. you know? And one big thing is, like you said, is I would like when the series comes back... They don't have Doomsday kill Superman. Yeah. Like, he, he gets beat up and injured, and maybe there's some psychological trauma that he has to deal with because he met his, you know, adversary that um, damaged him yeah. more than anybody. But I think having him kill Doomsday and just being weak and but not dying um, would be a better way of subverting the story than... Yeah. Every other time we've seen Doomsday. It'd also be better if Superman wasn't beaten up by everyone. <laughs> True. So, uh, but, you know, 
it's just like, oh, let's do Doomsday, let's do alternate universe evil Superman. Like, when it comes to their villains, I'm like, mm, have you guys read many Superman comics? Like, I guess they knew about Miracle Monday, or a writer knew about it, uh, and, you know, Bizarro was someone, but yeah. So, and like, as you said, the late, the hippie lady was kind of like Parasite, but did they know she was kind of like Parasite? <laughs> yeah. Or do they... Yeah. That was a very interesting villain for season two. And then the bizarre, the bizarre thing is awesome because if you look at it, you know, they introduce and tease everyone's like, Oh, it's doomsday in season two. But then it was, Oh, it's bizarro. Mm. You know? Yeah. No, that, that, that was something that crossed my mind how they teased him to be doomsday, but turned into and then, yeah. And then they made him doomsday by the end of season three. Kind of wondering if it was planned the whole time. I would say yes. Listening to the showrunner head writer talk in different podcasts about how right. his approach to things and how they write everything before they start, I would say yes. I would. He seems like he has a long game type mentality with his writing. Right. Um, and the fact that like they do this storyline in Doomsday or Bizarro is not the main focus villain of season two. Now Bizarro World is a little bit different with yeah. what Ali's doing. But then you get Doomsday as the clincher villain of season three, and he wasn't even the main villain. So it's kind of interesting how this Bizarro Doomsday, Bizarro um, Doomsaro, I don't know, I'll figure it out, yeah. uh, crosses over into two seasons without actually being the focus. Mm. Now, do you want to hear my theory about how they'll destroy him? Sure. So this Doomsday comes from Bizarro. Yeah. And we know that Bizarro is weakened by our sun. So I think he's just right. going to throw Bizarro Doomsday into the sun. It's the only thing that would actually like destroy its molecules and like rip it apart. It's either that or put it in the Phantom Zone. But they could I think... always do trauma of him taking a life. But even yeah. but even then like he how, you know, like you said, yeah, he he takes the life, throws it in the sun and then he deals with killing it and the idea of what did luther do to you because you mm. know when bizarro died like he was being heroic and everything yeah. so it's like that guilt and weight lays on superman as he goes into the lex luther battle of like what did you do to the, him and yeah it, it could be really good or it could you know suck at times we'll yeah. see yeah well we'll see and i also like lex I think it's a little bit over the top sometimes, but I, I do like them trying to establish Lex as a serious threat and not a joke, which is what they do too much. Um, the and... main thing that I need from this Lex is next season. I need some flashback episodes mm. or just flashbacks of like Lex before he went to prison, like with his daughter to kind of make me feel his evolution of becoming this Lex. Because right now, like of the um, hair. Yeah. I, the, the, <laughs> the hair is so weird. Well, so. he has hair, I guess, before he goes to prison. So, yeah, that's what I'm, it's so weird. Like he was blonde with a beard. Like, you know, I I had said before, like it would have made more sense to me if like he had had hair, clean shaven, goes to prison, and then grows a beard while in prison, mm. and comes out with like a bald head and a beard is like something different, you know. Um, I'm actually so. pretty down with the beard. 
I like it. I like Lex just being like physically imposing as well. Like uh, just so much better than the, the past few live action Lexes we've had. So we've uh, got two different ones over uh, two different live action Lexes in one year. Yeah, I didn't like Alan from Two and a Half Men. John Cry, I didn't like that Lex. Uh, it was too much. Did you watch? Did you watch Titus Welliver on Titans? I have not yet. No. I'd like to hear your take. Yeah, I'll, on... I'll let you know when I do uh, watch Titans. Yeah. Um, so Otis didn't die. That disappointed me a lot. Because <laughs> I was like, yeah, Otis died, and the that he's like alive. That he's, horrific... he's lost a ear. Yeah, that horrific streaming was just like, oh, I lost an ear. But um, uh, should be called Mercy, not Miss Testmarker. I'm sorry. Uh, I feel like anytime we get the Miss Testmarker, it's just a throwback to Superman the movie. I know, that's why it drives me crazy. It's like, I've seen it too, I get it. It's Miss Testmarker, uh, you know. <laughs> just, you know, uh, what was, I've been watching the Ruby Spears cartoon, and, oh, what is her name? Because it's a weird name, and it's just another kind of throwaway assistant in Lex had crap. Yeah. It's, it's something Barry or something. It's it's odd, but it just didn't yeah. stick with me. Um, you know, it's like, was the te- Test Monster character just created for Superman the movie? And she was, like, like... she was a very unique character. Like, this this Miss Test Marker looks like she's just Mercy. You know, Mercy is the henchman character. Uh, like, yeah. You know, Miss Test Marker is, like, someone who's kind of in over their head, um, but, like, a sort of good person. So is and they they kind of tried to do a test mark around Supergirl, right? Of course, and give her that um, when they brought in Lex. So yeah, it's just like it, it's one of those characters that we just keep around to kind of nod yeah. at Superman the movie. When really I'm like this character. It's like the whole Kitty character that was in Superman Returns mm. was just a you know a similar style. It just kind of shows. I think any more it would be more interesting to show that Lex just likes to have this one like female assistant character type than actually yeah making that character something so i'll take his niece too that would be neat but uh yeah so and you know superman has the old flashback to his family to pull through um which is fine it's called superman lost but sometimes the sometimes with this show i wish they like i don't know i just wish i'd do a thing it's like you know, Superman would be okay without his family. You know what I mean? Like, as mm-hmm. in, I don't know, sometimes it's like the Superman in the show just feels so fragile sometimes, like he'd fall apart. Uh, and I don't know. But anyway, um, you know, injustice is living in my head. Like, I just, I, yeah, it, it's like, whatever they just, I feel like whatever they show him overly reliant or like just overly attached. And I don't, by like, everyone's attached to their wife, right? I'm not saying like, but I'm saying overly attached in a way like, uh, dependent, um, you know, like in an unhealthy way, because we do have people, more casual fans who think that, you know, Superman's basically a sociopath or a psycho without Lois Lane. You know what I mean? Like he's he's mm-hmm. emotionally unstable, but you shouldn't be. But 
anyway, that's just that's the sort of stuff that goes through my head. I just, I, you know, that that's kind of why I want Superman without a family and stuff sometimes because I, I just want people to know that he can, he's okay on his own. You know, and Justice is not like definitive of his character, uh, uh, because it just keeps sort of keeps like leaking into everything else. So. Um, is like is Superman lost doing that? How's that? It's it's interesting. Like it's we stopped. I think after issue two or three, right? Because it was like you felt like you were getting a little bit of this story. It's about him coming back and basically being lost for like twenty years. Almost what I said is like it feels like it could be like the Odyssey version of a Superman story, but mm. we'll see how we get there. Because he's gone for 20 years, but to Lois and everyone else, it feels like it was just a minute. Just funny. Um, Do you remember, did you read that story where he was gone with Wonder Woman for a thousand years? It rings a bell, but I don't remember it. Got to the point where I think he couldn't remember Lois's name. um, Because it had been so long. And that was only in the space of like a day or something. Uh, But he was fine, you know. So... But yeah, that, that, that story exists. I'll send you the issue if you want. Cool, thank you, please. Uh, or like, well, I'll send you what the issue is. I don't actually have the issue. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I got you. Yeah. <laughs> I did look up uh, Miss Tessmacher while we were talking. Yeah, she was created for Superman the movie. Yeah. And then she was only very vaguely brought into the comics in a Earth 2 capacity. And then, of course, referenced, made into a character on Supergirl. Um, but, you know, and then Mercy was created for the animated series to be yes. kind of Lex's Harley Quinn. And I feel like, like you said, she's a much better character because mm. she's the assistant, but also like the bodyguard yeah. henchmen all rolled into one. She's very capable. And then of course on Smallville, you have Tess Mercer, which is a combination of mm. Tess Mocker, Lena Luther and Mercy and just dumped into one character. Yeah. Which I thought was fine. I'd... Which worked for that show. is like they couldn't figure out which one they wanted to go with, so they just... Yeah. Yeah. Amalgamized. Yeah. So, um, overall, though, I do want to say I really enjoyed Superman and Lois Season 3. I thought it was great. I thought all the characters had something to do. I felt a little bit let down by the finale, especially my biggest gripe, which we talked about a lot the last episode, so I won't dwell on it too much, but Superman Law is just able to casually have sex, <laughs> like it's no big deal. Yeah. Um, we talked about it last episode, go check out our full discussion on that. Um, but yeah, other than that, enjoyed the season, I'm looking forward to the next season. Very oh, much. and one other thing, Steel's talking to... Lana would be like, oh, I might be moving to Metropolis, you know, like it's gonna, they can't be in a relationship. And I'm like, you just fly the steel stoop down there like Superman flies all the time. Yeah. <laughs> it doesn't seem like that much of an issue to me. My thing but... is this season, especially, they really tried to, they started that whole process like Smallville of shrinking the distance between Smallville and Metropolis. Mm. And they're going to parties in Metropolis. Exactly. You know? So that means it's under like an hour. Yeah. So I don't... maybe... You know, I've said before, like, I live in a small town 40 minutes outside Columbus, Ohio, yeah. which is the big capital of Ohio. And that's kind of how I feel they portray Metropolis is like, 
Right. It's like 40 minutes to an hour away. Yeah. Which I think they uh, sort of did with Smallville, if I recall yeah. correctly. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh, dude, small, Smallville is crazy. There's all kinds of jokes that we've had. <laughs> because when it starts, it's like three hours away. And they're like, oh. And then as the series goes on, it gets smaller and smaller because then it becomes, oh, we live in Smallville, but work in Metropolis. And we just zip up there, you know? And that's when I was like, yeah, they're, they start that shrinking process instead of making right. Metropolis. Personally, I don't like Metropolis being in Kansas. I like Metropolis being with this destination that's states away. Because it, it should um, be a bigger deal, him leaving home yes. and just going up the road to Metropolis. Like, yes. there's a reason that Mar and Par are like, you know, oh, he's leaving. Uh, yeah. Or Mar. Exactly. Mar's dead. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Smallville needs to be this almost like it's a small town, but like it's far yeah. enough away that you feel the effects of a different style of life. Yeah. I mean, I guess it's all kind of nullified because Superman can just fly there really quick, but let's not think for him. That, yeah. So. For him. Yeah. But, I, but when for you them, get in like the family point. and the side yeah. characters and stuff, when you start making, you know, Oh, and we're flying busy. to Metropolis cause we're the irons and you know, it's like, yeah. okay, now you're making the show Metropolis. Yeah. But whatever. Yeah. Well, on that note, uh, next next time, uh, we'll see how our schedules go, but next time we may be uh, doing the final three issues of Brainiac, if we're both available. Mm. And if if it's if not both available next time, it'll be the time after. It'll be coming at some point. But And uh, the other thing is, Tyler, plug, plug your podcast and what are you doing? Well, I'm on the Krypton Report where we cover everything Superman related. You know, we've been covering Superman Lois. Um, we've been recently going through the Ruby Spears cartoon of the 80s and talking about that cool. episode by episode. Um, the Forgotten series. And it's kind of interesting as we're juxtaposing, you know, talking about that. We had hoped to finish that discussion right before my adventures with Superman launched. But yeah. life and everything happened. So we are like a little over halfway through the we're at the halfway point of the ruby spears but we will be starting our coverage on my adventures of superman as well as just recent comics and news is that is that the post crisis ruby spears or pre crisis the the post okay the, the one the one from the 80s that's like 13 episodes and yep. everyone forgets it existed <laughs> yeah is it any good it has its moments right it's you know it's it's a as James and I were talking about it yesterday off mic before we went to record was, it's easy to forget an episode. It doesn't kind of stick huh. with you. That's interesting because um, it's only 13, so... You know, there's a couple episodes that have some things that stick out that are kind of prominent, um, but for the most part, they're very easy to just watch and then forget. Yeah. All right. Well... Um, yeah, so go check out Krypton Report. And I'll put, put links in the show notes as usual. Hopefully, James, uh, Tyler and I, not James, Tyler and I will be back in two weeks. Yep. Uh, so until then, you know, watch the skies for skull ships. It's scary. And uh, again, if you want to leave any feedback, go nuts, because we'll be back in two weeks. So have a good one. Superman and all other characters in these comics are properties of DC. 
Any images or music we use are properties of their respective copyright holders. We are doing this for fun and not making money off it, so please don't sue us. You can contact us at lskpodcast at gmail.com and find us on our Libsyn, lskpodcast.libsyn.com. Our Twitter, at lskpodcast. Our Facebook page, Last Sons of Krypton, a Superman podcast. And last but not least, thank you everyone for listening.